Hello, and welcome to this episode of In Pursuit of Why. Today, my guest is John Isel, a culinary college friend and current sommelier in Green Bay, Wisconsin. This episode, we talk about what made him pursue cooking as a career, why he pivoted from cooking to wine, and shared our traumas working in the restaurant industry. So please introduce yourself to us. My name is John Isley. I am currently the sommelier of a steakhouse here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We met in culinary school and the great Culinary Institute of America, where we got to spend two great years together learning food and wine. So made you pursue cooking? So, I mean, a couple things really pushed me in that direction. So for starters, I don't have any members of my family who have ever been in the culinary industry. Nobody that's ever like run restaurants or worked in restaurants outside of like needing money for college. So, but I would say it was probably the sense of community that it instilled in me as a young kid. I grew up in a very large Irish family. So we very much like having meals together was an event. It wasn't just, oh yeah, we'll make something small. And like, well, I'll just sit here quietly and eat. It was, you know, a whole day's worth of cooking and, you know, the adults drinking and everybody just kind of hanging out with each other and spending precious moments with each other that became memories. And for me, like that was something that I wanted to encapsulate in what I did with my life very much like watching my grandmothers cook these sometimes intricate, sometimes very simple meals and like just absolutely falling in love with being able to do that for my whole life, be able to share my abilities with people, be able to give people memories that they will have for the rest of their lives and hopefully create an experience for people that they'll always think about. But Let's go into your CV of cooking. So you've worked at Hua in San Francisco, which was a two-star Michelin restaurant, which for anyone who doesn't know, the Michelin Guide is the holy grail of rating in the restaurant industry. Three stars is the best, two stars is you're almost world-class, and then one star you're, you're getting there. You got to work at the top of the culinary industry. What made you leap? I left the kind of top of that for a couple reasons. The main one being the toxicity that I ran into constantly. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not like every single Michelin starred restaurant is going to be a toxic work environment, but most of them are. What examples of toxicity can you describe or put out to the world so that we know? So I guess the one story I constantly tell people, the last starred restaurant that I like officially worked at was a now defunct Tumichon star in Chicago called Acadia. If you want to know the full background of that, the Chicago Tribune has, I think, three articles about the downfall of Acadia that was put on by a group on Instagram called the 86 list. So what happened, busy Saturday night service and like busy for... The restaurant was probably about 100 people because our entry level tasting menu was six courses. Beyond that was a 12 and then we had a 24. So if you're talking 100 people just doing six courses, that's 600 courses coming out of that kitchen. 
And with three different menus plus a bar, like there was a lot going on. And we had recently had a group of people get fired. I had my station partner walk off. And so I was working meat station at the time, sitting there running around trying to get stuff done. And um, we had these little plate wipes and they were like little rolled up microfiber towels. We'd like wipe them. And we had a little knife pan on the corner of the station that they were stored in because the chef didn't want anything out. So as I'm running around, I played up a grouping of five. I send it out. I turn around to go flip meat and I still have the plate wipe in my hand. So I toss it behind my back and I thought it had gone into the ninth pan. So I just start working, working all of a sudden said metal ninth pan smacks me in the back of the head. I turn around and the sous chef standing there looking at me. He's like, don't miss again. And I was just like, I looked over at the chef and I like, kind of like, are you going to do something about that? And he just walked away and I was like, all right, cool. Great. Love that. That's the crazy thing about the culinary industry is that still is happening. God, I was working in DC at like this $50 million restaurant. Like it was amazing. There was one night where the owner was like, can you send out this dessert? And I responded to him being like, hey, like I've already sent that dessert out. So I was like, hey, like just so I let you know, like I had already sent that out. And he just went ballistic on me. He just started screaming profanity at me. He's like, when I tell you to do something, you do it right now and don't want to hear any feedback. Like you work for me, period. I was like, okay, yes, chef went straight back to work. But that really changes you. Like once you've experienced that, like you lose all credibility in that person and in that industry, which is, which is even funny because when I left, I've been out of the, the industry now for, was it two years now? And I was looking back at the restaurant. And they got hit with like a huge scathing review in, I think it was one of the Washington DC newspapers talking about racial bias, toxicity. And I'm glad this is coming out, but like this restaurant is still doing well. And Mm -hmm. it got like hit with this and you're just like, how? Like, why Mm -hmm. is this a thing? I think it has changed a little bit because of the pandemic slightly, but before then diners almost saw it as like dinner theater to see cooks get screamed at and abused and talked down to, or they just didn't care. Like it was very much like, oh, well, like that happens in the back and I'm sitting in the front. So who gives a shit? This food's really good. And it's just like, well, yeah, it's salted with my tears. And I mean, to your point, like the amount of times that I heard working, whether it was staging or working for these places, it was very much like, I don't need a story. It's just yes or no. And you couldn't just say yes or no, it was yes, chef, no chef. Like I, I is very vividly burned in my brain when I first did my externship in San Francisco, like first day, I want to say it was, was talking to the chef and I was just like, yeah, no. Okay. Like not saying chef after it. And he got in my face and was just like, your only responses in my kitchen are we chef and no chef. Do you understand me? And I was just like, we chef. Like, and like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely have so much respect for that chef and like what we did there, but the intensity that would be created in these environments would snap at times. And it was wild. I sat there so many times in these restaurants. And I mean, like not only just the, the environment that's created in them, but also like kind of like the expectations of you as 
a cook. Like it, it, it goes beyond being able to take these abuses and like do that. But also the amount of time that you have to commit to these restaurants is insane. When I was working in Chicago, it was very much like you, you showed up at 10. If you had all your prep done from the night before, if you didn't, you showed up at eight or nine. We didn't leave until about two o'clock in the morning. And even in San Francisco, like we were getting at nine and leaving at like one. Yeah. So you're working 12, 13 hour days. And then you're also getting paid, not even minimum wage. Like a lot of, a lot of the places will trick you into a salaried position and coming out of culinary school or like being in restaurants where maybe all they paid you is minimum wage. And you go, Oh, like I'll take $36,000 a year. That sounds nice. And then you start working and you're like, well, I'm working 90 hours a week. So really that 36,000 breaks down into like $6 an hour. And then plus no tip or anything. It's like at that point, like the, the waiters are making more money than you are. Let's go away from culinary and let's go back into what you're doing now, which is you are a certified sommelier. How did you bridge cooking with your love for wine? So my love for wine started in culinary school. I mean, you very much remember the class we had to take on wine. It was intense, but like I, I fell in love with wine during that class and kind of like, I feel like at times wine and food constantly go hand in hand. I mean, when we're first learning about pairing, one of the very basic like things that we hear in the world of food and wine pairing is like what grows together goes together. And like, you know, so that's why goat's cheese and Loire Sauve Blanc work so well together because like it's, it's right there. It's all happening in the same area. So when you look at it, I mean, so much of cooking has to do with wine as well. I mean, like so many dishes in at least very classic French cuisine have some component of wine. And even talking about more contemporary Italian cuisine and even some traditional Italian cuisine, you still have a presence of wine in that food. And so like, you can very easily bridge those things together and you drink what you cook with or you drink something similar to what you cook with. So one of my questions that I love asking my guests is if they had the opportunity to interview someone, who would it be? An opportunity to interview someone. I'd interview Sean Brock, to be honest. I have always like, since I was like a very young cook at like 14, working in restaurants, I've like looked up to him because we come from very similar areas of the country. And I've always seen his kind of food as this like antithesis of what like what's considered like low country, like Southern food can be. And for me, that's been one of the most exciting things to watch in the industry, like aside from Chef Brock and like the countless numbers of other chefs doing it is like bringing these foods that have been seen as like low class into a higher light. Well, John, it's been a pleasure I love being able to reconnect with people that I haven't talked to in a while through this podcast. And I think this is very interesting. Hopefully a lot of people who are going to culinary or are in the industry listen to this and start seeing that change needs to happen. And we hope that this will start a revolution. Definitely, definitely. Change needs to happen. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me.